I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, it's another FA Cup weekend, so we were thinking about just not doing a show, but uh, I reached out to our good friend Jamie and figured we have we have some Burnley stuff to talk about. Um, so he's joining me today. You can, of course, uh, find him at Jamie Smith Sport on Twitter, and he also sends out the Burnley newsletter uh, over at No Name Never, so be sure to check that out as well. Jamie, an absolute pleasure having you back on after so long. For those not aware, uh, Burnley currently top of the table in the championship, still in the FA Cup uh, after drawing this weekend. Uh, and I just wanted to ask you to start off, how has your club been approaching these two uh, concurrent competitions considering the opportunity that each presents? Yeah, I think it's been quite good because the position at the top of the league is so strong. I think it's good to have a bit of a break from... Like we're, we're the team being hunted down now because we're so far clear at the top. So every game, teams are like, we want to beat Burnley, Burnley, what that? They're going to get promoted. It's a real marker of a game for them now. If it wasn't already with the fact that we've been in the Premier League for so long and Vincent Company means there's extra attention on the club. Um, but I think our strength, the strength of our position in the league means that we've been able to experiment a bit more in the cup. Like there's, the cup's been a bit of a gimme and the draws that we've had have mean that we've been able to rotate the team quite a bit. So in the weekend game at Ipswich, um, we were able to give a couple of debuts, uh, new centre-back Al, Al Dakhele, I think is how you say his name, I hope, something like that. Um, he made his debuts, a couple of others got some game time as well. So it's very much been a, a case of rest and rotation for, for the cup games. Some of the older lads tend to get the week off. Some of the fringe players, like Bailey Peacock Farrell, the backup goalkeeper, he played at Ipswich. But it's been good for us. And although we drew at the weekend, and I didn't see the game at all, actually, but a lot of people said it was a poor performance and a poor game. I think it's actually quite good that we've got the replay. Um, our schedule for February isn't that busy. I think there's one or two midweek games, so it's not really that full on. And I think another opportunity to get some minutes into the fringe players some of the new signings. We've signed four players this month. Um, so I think it's good to have to have more games, really, and just a, a bit of time off from the, the grind of the league, which when you're in the championship, it is a lot of midweek games and it's very physical a lot of the time. So I think the Cup's something a bit different. Yeah, and, and uh, I think a thing that you were kind of touching on there is that it's deserved. Like, you've been playing really well for the most part thus far this season with Vincent Company, as you said, all eyes are kind of on you at the moment with, you know, media already trying to drag him all over the country to whatever job is open. Um, but uh, it's pretty impressive for anybody that hasn't really been keeping track of it. 
Uh, Burnley top in goals in the championship, top five in shots on target, bottom five in headers, so no more head tennis uh, being played at Turf War, I suppose. Um, what have you made of this kind of shift in play style from, from the Dice era into this new one under company? It's It's been a complete transformation. There's no other way to say it. Um, and I think there were some teething issues earlier and on earlier on in the season, obviously the fans also had to get used to the fact that we were playing a very different style of play. Even now, sometimes when we're passing the ball around at the back and it looks like nothing's happening, there's still some frustration among fans who see us win every week. <laughs> they still want us to just get the ball forward faster. It's like, hang on a minute, we're X points clear at the top of the league and win most of our games it's kind of working do you want to just like sit back and watch it and enjoy it um but yeah <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think that, yeah exactly like no get the ball forward do more attacks <laughs> um like there was one the last home game i think it was like we were doing our slow passing around the back and waiting for the opposition's pressers it's basically the the base tactic right we want the teams to press so that we can pass around because our technical ability is just far in excess of anyone else in the league i'm not bragging it just is um so we want teams to come at us and then we'll just ping around them and someone was shouting like get the ball forward get the ball forward and literally five seconds later a couple of their players had pressed in the wrong move and two passes and we were in on goal it's like this is exactly what we were waiting for. Just watch. How we how have you not worked out this is how we're trying to play? So it's been a lot for the fans to take as well. Um, even though obviously not everyone liked the dash style, how that was quite direct and a lot of on balls from the back. So it's been a lot for people to get used to. I think earlier in the season I, I was quite frustrated because I felt it was too slow and there wasn't a lot of purpose to some of the passing. We were seeing games where Burnley were ending with 75, 80% possession, but the other team were having more shots on target. Um, and that for me just wasn't, that's not, that's not control. If you're having all the ball, but the other team is still having the best chances, that's not control. Um, but before the world cup, something seemed to click since the world cup, we've been, Unstoppable, basically. I think we're 100% since the World Cup. Um, a couple of injuries have made it a bit stickier. We've had a couple of games where we've had to grind it out. But, yeah, it's it's been a remarkable season, really, considering the turnover in staff, um, the fact that the club was basically shaped in Sean Dyche's image. And I'm sure we're going to talk about Dyche again later in the show because of um, the Everton thing. But the fact that Vincent Company's come in as a relatively inexperienced manager as well, he'd had sort of three years in Belgium out of the spotlight and then come to a club where we've been in the Premier League, we were expected to be among the favourites. A lot of talk about the financial situation last summer. And now we're having opposition fans accusing us of buying the league and being parachute payments FC. So <laughs> it's been a, a massive, massive turnaround and... I think you have to give a lot of credit to to Vincent Company. Early in the season, it seemed like he was still working out the league. He's obviously not got much experience of the championship compared to someone like Sean Dyche. Um, but now it seems like everything's really clicking and it would take one of the most spectacular bottlings in sporting history for Burnley not to be promoted very, very comfortably now. Mm. And back in the summer, people were talking... Burnley could get relegated again. The club looks like a mess. Financial situation, we were taking out loans on 
players that we'd sold. It, it, it looked worrying. Um, and a lot of fans were saying it's going to be transition, stabilising period. And so it just looked like we're going to cruise through the championship. It'll be three years in the championship, three promotions from the championship. It's um, it's a real sign that the the change in in club values and transfer strategy and everything that changed over the summer, it's all worked. So the cynics from last summer and I was among them, it's been humble pie all around, really. Yeah, kind of talking about like the transfers and stuff like that. I felt like a lot of the conversations that were being had about Burnley, including some of the ones that we had on the show, were about how ownership was letting the side down and how, you know, selling Chris Wood in January gave you a plus net spend, but net spends don't score goals and all that kind of stuff. Where, where's kind of the lay of the land now with ownership and the way the club's being run, considering there is so much on-field success right now? Well, like I've touched on, I think, for, for fans of some championship clubs who've seen the money that Burnley are continuing to spend in January um, and some of the money that was spent last summer, it does look like we spent a lot of money, but they're not really taking into account the sales. So last summer, we lost Maxwell Corne, we lost Nick Pope, Dwight McNeil, Nathan Collins, yeah. a couple of the, the experienced defenders left on freeze, James Tarkovsky, Ben Meese. There was massive turnover and we brought in maybe 60 million, 70 million in, in players. So we've only spent a proportion of what was brought in. But the crucial thing is it's been invested in young talent, which is something that we never really did when Dash was in charge. Um, and in hindsight, it was obvious that there was a real split between the new owners and Dash over the sort of players we should be targeting. Dash has a reputation of really liking British experienced players who've been in the Premier League, know English football. Um, and that worked for us for a long time, but it did seem like towards the end it was getting a bit stale. We were going after players that it seemed like have been linked with us for years and years, and we just weren't really moving forward and having a more modern transfer strategy. Like, you look at the clubs who were overperforming in the Premier League now, it's probably Brighton, Brentford them to an extent right they they are going after young players from um maybe leagues that aren't in the spotlight as much so we focused strongly on belgium which makes sense because company's the manager company knew the belgium league that's where he's been with Anderlecht. um and there's players that we've signed for sort of the three million to four million euros range who are probably worth five times that now after half a season um, so the strategy has, has paid off in spades. Not all of the transfers have worked, but I think changing the strategy to go for these hungry young players who have massive technical ability, it's it's really worked better than anyone could have expected. Um, the only thing I would say in criticism of the owners is that we are in the championship and we'll have to see how it works next season. We were in the Premier League and an established Premier League club when they took over. So while things are great this season, we are still behind where we were when they arrived. So I'm not really ready to get on my hands and knees and proclaim Alan Pace as the saviour because I think there were still serious errors made early on. But no complaints over the change in transfer strategy. Some of the players that we've got playing for us now are going to go all the way. I think there's there's a couple of lads in the squad. Anna Sorori, who was obviously at the World Cup with Morocco, didn't really get much of a game, but a semi-finalist at the World Cup playing for Burnley is crazy. 
Um, Manuel Benson, hugely talented as well, another winger. But these two lads, I think, have got massive futures and really looking forward to how they take to the Premier League next season now. Yeah, a couple of names for us all to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, you also mentioned how, how massive that squad overhaul was, which is obviously very significant. Um, I don't know if it's quite as many numbers-wise as Palace the year before, but still still pretty crazy. Do you think that the uh, previous group of players could have played this style, or do you think it required shifting them on, bringing in these younger players you were talking about that are maybe able to to kind of keep the pressure up a bit more during the match? I think some of them could. Um, so maybe Nathan Collins, who I mentioned, the centre-back who went to Wolves, I think he was good enough on the ball to play it. Um, Dwight McNeil, I still think, even though it's, it's obviously gone a bit pear-shaped to Everton, I think he would have been a star in the Championship. He would have been really well suited for the way we play now. Um, but yeah, some some of the other players who've left, like Aaron Lennon was at the end of his contract. You can't imagine Aaron Lennon being much used to Vincent Company's Burnley in the Championship. Nothing against Aaron Lennon, but mm. like the sort of player who really shouldn't have been around a Premier League club for that long. Um, guys like Eric Peters, who I really liked and was wholehearted, but he's now playing centre-back instead of left-back for West Brom, sort of mid-table in the Championship. I know they've been going well recently, but West Brom probably aren't going to get promoted. So where a lot of the players went is a sign that they were sort of past their peak and we're now bringing players in who were well before their peak um, and there's quite a few of our players who it took them a while to settle at the start of the season so the two I mentioned Zorori and Benson at the start of the season they looked a bit overawed the championship's very physical a lot of big strong defenders who want to leave leave their mark on you early on there was a couple of games where Benson was basically kicked out of the game in the first 15 minutes and he had to get used to that and and learn how to adapt. Um, so I think some some of the players would have coped. I think James Tarkovsky, who went to Everton, like McNeil, and struggled there a bit. I think he has the technical ability to play it. Um, I think Tarkovsky is an excellent passer, actually. We just didn't really see it at Burnley because Dash didn't want him to play that way. But I think I mentioned this week when Lampard was getting the sack at Everton, Tarkovsky, had he stayed... And I'm not saying he should have because he's a Premier League player. He needs to be in the Premier League. But if Tarkovsky had stayed, he would have been ideal for the way we play now because he can carry the ball out. He's got a good range of passing. He can also organise the defence. So Tarkovsky, I think, to answer the question, would have been ideally suited. But there's no doubt some of the lads like Peters and Lennon and Phil Bardsley, I think, left in the summer as well. There's absolutely no way that those three would have been any use at all for Vincent Company's Burnley. And that's no slight on them because they did a good job for the club when they were here. Um, but we certainly needed to to really overhaul the playing staff to do what, what we've been doing now. That makes sense. And who knows, if everything get relegated, maybe Tarkovsky will just come right on back. Just to add to that, actually, it's, it's not fair to say it's been a complete transformation where everyone left. Two of our most important players this season have been Jay Rodriguez and Jack Cork, who've been in the yeah. club for a long time. Jack Cork's the captain now. Um, he plays 90 minutes almost every week. When Cork's not playing, it's normally because he's suspended and we do notice it. He's, he's still really important. He's sort of the the linchpin of the midfield that allows everyone else to go and play. He knows when to stop attacks. He's very streetwise. He knows the, the sort of dirty side of the game. 
um, which allows the more creative players further up the pitch to to do their thing. And Jay Rodriguez, who's had not the best spell of form recently, but he's still, I think there's only five or six strikers scored more than him this season. He's basically played a completely different role this season. Most people probably think of, of Jay Rodriguez as a sort of number nine, a, a, a finisher really, or even mm. a target man. Whereas this season he's played as a false nine. Um, as much as I understand what a false nine is, and I'm no like tactics nerd, but when I watch Jay Rodriguez, he's not really playing as a striker. I think he's playing as a false nine. So he's learning how to play this role and dropping deep and linking the play, and then the wingers can go in behind. And that's why most of our goals come from the wide players because Jay Rodriguez is so good at playing this false nine position. So I think it's um it's a bit underrated the impact that Cork and Rodriguez have had as the sort of bridging players that have provided the little bit of continuity and knowledge of the club and a bit of the championship that have helped us to to get through some of the games where we've been under a bit more pressure. Gotcha. Um, we've already teased it enough times now uh, by talking about Everton and all that stuff. But uh, Sean Dyche seems set to take that job at time of recording. There isn't. Been- Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Any announcement yet. Um, but, you know, five years on from people saying that this would eventually happen, it does seem like it is about to happen. Uh, how do you feel about the move? How do you think he'll fare? And do where would you put their chances at staying up if, if he takes over? It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because it's like, so many times we talked on the show about like Dash being linked to other jobs, what would be a good move for him. Um, and I've, I've said so many times that Everton feels like a good fit. Like Everton's recent history, when Everton have been good, they've been solid, hard to beat, physical, direct. Under David Moyes, when they were challenging for Europe and trying to get in the Champions League. That's the best Everton have been for 20 years, 25 years, even longer. Yet they keep appointing these foreign managers who don't know, they don't get Everton. I think Sean Dyche and Everton are a good fit in terms of values, like honest, hardworking, all these kind of things that they've, they've sort of moved away from over the years, whether it's like the ownership or whatever it is. I think Everton have lost what it is to be Everton. So on those grounds, I think he's a really good fit. And that's why I've been saying for such a long time that Dash and Everton felt like something that should happen. But the timing is really bad, isn't it? I mean, if you're Dash, you're probably aware that 
you're only going to get the call right now if teams are in real trouble. And that's what Everton are. Everton are going to be relegated unless something special happens the second half of the season, right? They are dire. The squad is a mess. They don't have a goal scorer. The defence lacks organisation. There's a lot of work that needs to be done if Everton had to stay up. I think the reaction from Burnley fans has been... It's it's kind of weird. I think there's a lot of positivity still around Dash and people are glad to see him get the opportunity and be back in the Premier League. And I'm sure people will pay much more attention to match of the day and watching Everton games to see how he gets on. But the overall feeling seems to be people want Dash to do well, but Everton to get relegated. I'm not sure how both of those things are going to happen. <laughs> that seems like <laughs> that can't happen. Um, but yeah, Everton is such a shambles. Like, They've spent so much money on players, and yet you look at the team and the squad, and like how many of the players are actually good? It's it's a real funny one. And now they're losing Anthony Gordon for forty five million. Like hopefully that will be money in the pot for Sean Dash to get some players in who are the sort of players that he wants. But they've had so many different styles of managers, and the fact that when Lampard went, it seemed like it was Dash or Bielsa. Could you get more <laughs> yeah. support? Like, it just suggests that they still really don't know what they're doing. Like, if you're building a shortlist for the, a manager, you think they're going to have similar profile or style or values. Like, for it to be Dash or Bielsa, it's like, it just suggests that there's a real lack of football knowledge at the top of that club. And I'm not sure that's going to change anytime soon. So I think Dash has got his work cut out. It depends if they allow him to run the club like he was allowed to at Burnley. Um, but a huge amount of work to do. I think the benefit of the one thing in Dash's favour is I look at the bottom of the Premier League and there's not just Everton are bad, Southampton are bad, Leeds are bad. Villa are bad. Villa are all right now, but Villa are quite bad. There's probably the bottom seven or eight teams, right, of various shades of bad, uh, and four or five really quite bad teams. So if Dash can get them organised, which I think is the bare minimum, um, I think they're still going to like goals, but you can see them grinding out a few ugly one nils and maybe get out of it that way. But I also kind of feel, and I think I mentioned this on social media, Everton... They remind me of Sunderland a few years ago where they've been run so mm. badly. A succession of managers who haven't lasted. The squad's a mess because managers bring in eight new players and then there's a new manager a month later and none of the players fit anymore. So I think there's big surgery needed on the squad before the transfer window closes. There has to be buy-in from the players that are left, the fan base who mm. still seem to think they're better than Dash, despite the fact they've what is it, joint bottom in the Premier League? <laughs> on top, like, the last two times the jobs come up, they thought they were better than Daesh, and they're still knackered. So they're definitely not better than Daesh, but some of the fans still seem to think they were going to get a top European manager. And they tried that with Carl Ancelotti, and he couldn't fix Everton. So, yeah, I think it's um, it's a difficult situation. But if you're Sean Daesh, you've been out of the game for nearly a year now, right? Like, he it, it wouldn't have been able to turn it down, so... I personally want to see him do well, but I think the timing is really difficult and that Everton Everton are just such a mess right now. I think it's going to be really difficult for him to save them. I think it would be difficult for anyone to save them, but Daesh at least knows what it takes in a, in a relegation scrap. And I saw that Everton fans saying, 
how can Dyke be the one to save us when he got Burnley relegated as if he didn't get Burnley promoted twice and then keep, keep Burnley in the Premier League for six years? Like, it's like saying Eddie Howe got Bournemouth relegated. It's, like, <laughs> it's technically true. It's technically true, but it overwrites so much of the other history that happens. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if the fans actually get behind him because I think that's uh, when Everton are good, it's when the fans are loud and passionate and getting really buying into what the manager's doing. So there needs to be some degree of unity. And I think that's been one of the problems Everton have had over the last few years. Yeah, that and as you said, the the kind of split identity. Do they want to be like an attacking, swashbuckling European side? Yeah, or yeah. do they yeah. just need to lock things down and maybe concede a few less goals? Yeah, some less goals and maybe have some players who aren't terrible as well. That would be good. Yeah, I do think it's really interesting the fact that assuming that it is Dice, that he is familiar with a lot of the players that are already in that team. You'd imagine that that would make the transition even easier. Um, But as we're saying, you know, being in a relegation fight, not particularly fun. Kind of cruising to the top of the league, very fun. Uh, (laughs) A lot of times in the past when we've had teams that are kind of struggling to to stay up or or just kind of constantly finishing in the lower half of mid-table, you start hearing things like maybe it would be more fun to be in the championship. As someone that supports a club that has recently gone through that and is now winning, uh, true or false, is it more fun to win in the championship than to kind of struggle in the Premier League. Right now, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Like, last summer, when when it became, even before the end of the season, when it became fairly obvious that Burnley were going to be relegated, you already started to see people making the case, being like, well, the championship's a great league. And yes, it is. But even then, I was saying the championship's a great league if you are good. If you're good in the championship, it's a brilliant league. If you're bad in the championship, it's horrible. Like, tell Sunderland fans that the championship was going to be a holiday. Like, Mm. Sunderland got relegated again. People thought Burnley had a chance of doing the same. Sunderland have gone down again and now bounced back and they're good. But there's a lot of teams who've been relegated into the championship, thought it was going to be this one-season holiday, seeing some new grounds, winning 3-0 every week, and they're still there. They're still there. It's really hard to get out of the championship. Um, so it's fun when you're winning. And like it's January now, but like I said, it, it would be sensational if Burnley didn't get promoted now. It looks like it's going to be done sooner rather than later, really. It's a case of when, not if. Um, and I've seen Burnley fans online saying, like, it's a shame that you can't turn down the promotion, just win the league and be like, you know what? third place can get promotion and we're just going to stay in the championship. <laughs> um, obviously that's not how it works. It will be interesting to see if we can maintain the momentum and do sort of the thing, what Fulham are doing this season where they've gone down and bounced up and looks like they've continued that upwards momentum despite changing the manager and stuff. Um, that's what Fulham do all the time, I suppose. So it's no big deal for them. So I think the way that we've done it, it looks like it's easy. It's not as easy as we've made it look. Um, ultimately, though, football's about being as good as you can, right? I think it's it's difficult now because it seems so close off the top. Like, the Premier League seems like it's more of a close shot than ever before. And it seems mad to say that when it's only a few years since Leicester won the league. But I think when Leicester won the league, all the traditional big clubs basically looked at each other and went, well, we can't let that happen again. Um and I think it will be basically impossible for a Leicester to win the league again. Um, 
you see Newcastle's looking like they're going to break into the top four or the top six. How have they managed to do it? They're owned by a country. Like, you basically have to be owned by a country mm. to be competitive at the top of the Premier League now. So, from that point of view, I completely understand why fans of clubs like Burnley, and not just us, think it's better to be at the top of the championship, winning games, playing good football, scoring lots of goals. It's just more fun to watch your team win. Um, but yeah, what, what's the point if you're not going to try and be as good as you can? I'm looking forward to seeing how they get on next season. I think company is a very, very smart guy. He obviously knows the Premier League well, having been at Man City for so long. There's going to be a lot of attention on him. I think players want to come and play for Vincent Company, which is a big draw. Um, so I think it's going to be good. But yeah, I think it's you can't just say like it's one or the other because so many teams get relegated, think the championship is going to be a cakewalk, and then it's not. So I think we've been lucky in a way in that everything that we've tried, appointing a, a relative rookie, going for players from the Belgian league who other clubs could have afforded these guys. Like they weren't like mega book signings. They were gems at the sort of three million, four million euros mark. There's teams in the championship who've spent that on players who were less good. Um, so we've not bought the league at all. But it's not straightforward as saying just bounce back bounce down to the championship and then win the league. Although if it was that easy, then everyone who ever got relegated would do it, right? <laughs> right. Like you said, a litany of clubs before you thought, like you said, oh, this will be a fun time. And then either been mired there for years or got double relegated the way, the way Sunderland did. Uh, you keep talking about how, how it feels kind of certain that you're going to come up. Uh, Sheffield United, really the only other club really in contention there are there any other clubs you think could kind of sneak into the conversation or like you said do you think it's a two-horse race that's quickly becoming really just a one-horse race yeah i mean the gap is so big i think Burnley and sheffield united are going to be the two it's it's impossible to see otherwise sheffield united beat us badly at their place early in the season so i think that's one of the games i haven't seen actually but clearly they are the other very strong team in the league um, the teams that I've seen, West Brom, although I, I maybe slagged them off a bit earlier on, were one of the more difficult games for us. Home and away, I think we drew there and just about narrowly beat them at home. Especially under Carlos Corberan, they seem very, very organised, difficult to beat. There's goals in that team as well. Um, so I think West Brom have got a real chance if it comes to the playoffs. Um, but... Yeah. Yeah, I've I've not been impressed with the championship, I've got to say. I mean, the last mm. few years, obviously, Burnley have been in the Premier League. I've not watched that much of the championship because I've not had to. Um, and I don't watch a lot of the non-Burnley games, but you see teams come to Burnley and like, they're just not up to much. You see a lot of teams now, they're just coming to try and spoil. They're just trying to sit back behind the ball and like play to lose 2-0 like the, the league seems really poor quality and I don't know if it's because there's so much money in the Premier League that the gap's just bigger now I don't know if it's that the players that Burnley brought in are just too good for that level I don't know what it is but most of the teams they're just not that good I mean earlier in the season they're falling away a bit now but Blackburn and obviously there's huge rivalry between the two clubs Blackburn was third in the league for a long time there was a, a period where they'd won just over half of their games and lost just under half of their games. They hadn't drawn any. They were third in the league and they'd lost 10 matches. Like, 
how is that possible? It's because the championship's not a good standard this season. It's really not. Um, and Blackburn have since fallen away and we beat them 3-0 to just show that there's that sort of gap between us and the rest and us and Sheffield United and the rest. Um, so I think there is there's potential. Someone wrote, I think, that there's 18 teams in the championship that still think they can get promoted. And it's always wide open for going for the playoffs and stuff. But yeah, I've not been impressed with the standard at all. And I think any any neutral onlooker who watches Burnley and watches another championship game will be like, what on earth are this team doing in the league? Because the football we're playing is just on another level from the rest of the division. Hmm. Yeah, to that point of 18 teams still think they have a chance. Uh, for anybody at home, it's like, Burnley's gap can't be that big. Uh, the difference between Burnley and Middlesbrough in third is bigger than third to 22nd? If my math is right? <laughs> it's insane. It's absolutely insane, yeah. So the championship's always been a bit like if you're in the bottom half, you just have to win two or three games and then you're in towards the top six. But <laughs> yep. this season, because Burnley and Sheffield United have taken so many points, the rest of the points are just really spread out. So... Yeah, if, if a team has a run in the second half of the season and wins four, five, six in a row, they're going to be towards the top end of the of the playoffs and looking to, to go deep. So it's all to play for for everyone else, but it's it's going to be a strange second half of the season when everyone else is just playing for playoffs. Like, Burnley and Sheffield United are going to be promoted. They just are. Like, yeah. There's no way either of those teams can, can lose out from there. So... I think it. I don't think it's happened before where the top two have been so far away. There's often one team that is much better, right? But it's not normally two. It's it's quite an unusual season in the championship in that regard. Yeah, and to that point, Sheffield United twelve points <laughs> safe, and then you seventeen. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a bit of an odd one this year, but I'm glad that it is to your benefit. Um, we'll wrap things there, though. So if you want to tell folks uh, where they can find you, anything you're working on, that'd be a great time. Yeah, so you can always get me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport, and I send out, although I haven't for a while, I'm planning on sending one this week, I send out a newsletter which is supposed to go out on Mondays via Substack called the None and Ever newsletter, which is also free, so you can subscribe, and doesn't cost a penny, and it comes straight into your inbox on a Monday, hopefully, or whenever I get around to sending one. Got it. Well, everybody should definitely go check that out, uh, and Jamie... Absolute pleasure chatting and excited for you to be back in the Premier League next year. Yeah, well, no jinxes. <laughs> okay, I'll knock on wood. <laughs> cool. Well, again, nice chatting and folks at home, we have to keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.